show, tech show for non-tech people. This, this is the, the Data, Data Doctors, Doctors Radio, Radio Program. Program. It's time to listen, laugh, and learn. Welcome to the Data Doctors Radio Program, the multi-award winning tech show for non-tech people. Each and every week, we help thousands of people and their broken computers in our stores, in their offices, and homes all across the country. Then we bring that experience to the radio to help all of you. We are the Data Doctors du jour, Ken and Spanky, here to provide education and entertainment that we like to call edutainment. edutainment. Are you a Democrat or Republican, a smoker, drinker, or gambler? What you like on Facebook says a lot about you. Also, shopping online, what if you could visualize what you're about to purchase before you buy it? And are you a cord cutter? The numbers are going up. We'll revisit some of your options and talk about some of the pains. On air. Online. On demand. Datadoctors.com. Datadoctors.com slash radio. Listen live. Download podcasts. And get helpful links. Datadoctors.com. Datadoctors.com slash radio. You know, Ken. Yes, sir. Lots of people use Facebook for connecting with their friends. Sure. Lots of people like different companies and brands like Data Doctors. You know, you guys like us. That just shows that you're more smarter. And then there are people who like to post their favorite cigarette brands and favorite alcohol brands and also like to it's espouse not... their political views. Well, sure, and, sure. You know, more and more, there's been some research done about your likes on Facebook. Well, I, I think... I think Let's step back for a second. People are just kind of randomly going around thinking or just liking things. And, you know, maybe a friend likes something and they sure. they accidentally liked it because they saw a video and they didn't realize when they were watching the video or when they clicked on it, they like. In other words, they, they accumulate likes, right? Right, because those thumbs are appearing everywhere, man. If you, you know, everyone knows that little blue thumbs up, what it means. I mean, that thing was introduced, what, three years ago? So and it's become synonymous with liking something. Yeah, so now there are researchers out there kind of collecting all this disparate data and creating profiles of people based solely on what they said they've liked. Yeah, and, and the accuracy of, of what they think you are versus what you are, it, it, it's astonishing. Fundamentally, from, this, from gender, race, political perspective... Um, they can determine your, sex, your, determine your sexual orientation... Uh, if you are a substance user, based on some of the things that you post and like, uh, it's crazy. It's insane how much information is out there, which, which brought us back to the discussion, and we had this off the air, about people and their privacy settings on Facebook. Or not actually realizing that these privacy settings change and that you need to be looking at these things from time to time. Here's a couple of pieces of advice. If you're out there looking for a job, and your, what you've liked publicly, not what you liked your friends' posts and your friends' pictures, but you liked a brand and you've liked lots of brands and you probably forgot about a lot of these brands that you liked. In a lot of cases, what you've liked out publicly is publicly available. So if somebody's looking at your profile, you got everything locked down, but it shows all the likes you have, they may jump to conclusions about your... Uh, political views right. or religious views or what have you because of what you've liked in the past. So do yourself a favor. Go back and look at all the likes that you've made and look at it from the a third party's perspective to say, you know what? Maybe I should go unlike this page because I can't imagine that <laughs> this is going to be uh, properly interpreted or yeah. you know, there may be some things where you go whoa you know a friend of mine who's an actual researcher he, he studies um, human uh, what's what is someone who's neurology n- no not neurology so, I mean he studies like the human psychology not say psych- oh anyway he studies people and he biology he liked certain pages on Facebook because he wanted to see he liked a, a page about binge drinking and in the same day liked a page regarding Mitt Romney that would confuse anybody but that stuff was public. So if you didn't know him, you would think, oh, this guy's a binge drinker. And he's then, a, wait a second. He's, he's, he's a drunk Republican. Right. <laughs> so you've, you've got to be careful um, because that information can be very misleading or can be very telling of who you are. And it's, you don't want to let that information get in the way. Just considered another public service announcement from the Data Doctors reminding you to take a look at your profile from the perspective of the world. By the, by the way, you can log out of your Facebook profile. Do a search on Facebook or through Google yep. for yourself on Facebook just to see, or actually you can go into your privacy settings and say, 
what, view what, as right view as you can view it as as a just somebody out in public. You need to do that from time to time just to see how people might be perceiving you through your online profiles. Either that or stop using it. And now that graph search is coming, oh boy, Ken, they are at it again. The following is a public service announcement from Data Doctors. It's reached epidemic proportions. Anyone could be a carrier. And it all started with a Facebook post. Save yourself from this modern day blight. Don't get bitten by the copy-paste zombie. Yeah, we had, we've had two different people post this question in the last, I don't know, a couple days even on our Facebook page. Kirk and Lynn are both asking the same question about when somebody does this, how private are you? Uh, 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 this, this thing says, everyone on my friends list knows that I completed this and I am done. Facebook has changed their privacy settings once more <laughs> due to the new Graph <laughs> app. Okay, so big red flag, first of all. There's no such thing as a Graph, graph app. app, okay? And, peop- and again, anything you see that's a Facebook warning that starts with all caps... That's another big red flag. Run, Here's somebody that's, run. that's just another copy-paste zombie. <laughs> not, just, oh, my gosh, a friend of mine posted this, so I'm just going to post it, too. <laughs> stop it. Stop the madness. Please help us stop the madness. You all have friends <laughs> that are doing this. Yep. They don't think twice. They Mom. just basically copy and paste these things. Mom. Please share our copy-paste zombie video with those friends please 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 Mom. we've got to get people to stop mindlessly copying and pasting this dribble without doing the research if you're going to be a broadcaster which is what you're doing when you copy and paste these things on your facebook profile the average friend the average facebook user has 127 friends and if you do the math on two cycles right 127 times 127 you are a broadcaster ma'am and sir if you're posting something on Facebook and you have not vetted the information, shame on you. Knock it off. You're causing, you're part of the problem, be part of the solution. Remember, when Facebook graph search comes alive for you, the stuff that's public is still already public. The stuff that's private still remains private. Know what you're talking about. Don't just copy paste. That's right. Still ahead. See it before you buy it in your home. Shopping with augmented reality. But right after the break... Is it safe to put Java back on my computer? Hmm. We'll talk about it. It's coming up here on the Data Doctors radio program. Stay tuned. Hey, it's the Data Doctors. Hey, lots of you come to our stores when you have computer problems. Many of you rely on our award-winning Data Doctors in-home service, where our Data Doctor comes to you. Yeah, house calls. Some of you take advantage of Data Doctors remote repair, so we fix your problem right over the Internet. But did you know that we can help your office, too? That's right. Whether your office has two... 20 or 200 computers, Data Doctors Business Services takes the pain of managing your office technology away. Instead of using the Band-Aid approach to your office technology, put the experience of Data Doctors Business Services team to work for you. You'll be amazed at how much more you can get done when you're not trying to run a business and your IT department. Go to datadoctors.com and let us take away the pain. In store. At home. Over the internet. In your office. What are you waiting for? Go to datadoctors.com right now. (laughs) Like he said, go to datadoctors.com and get ready to experience award-winning service data doctors since 1988 we're the tech guys for non-tech people it's the tech show for non-tech people this is the data doctors radio program ken should we play the part of the show from like last week or two shows ago where i choked on water on the way back let's not okay hey if you want to hear the data doctors radio program before the rest of the world you can become a data doctors insider today sign up right now for our weekly newsletter at datadoctors.com slash radio, all newsletter subscribers get instant access to the show. That's right. Click and listen. It's the tech show for non-tech people. The tech show for non-tech people. This is the Data Doctors radio program. Hey, Spanky, you didn't say something there. What's it cost to become a Data Doctors insider? That would be free. Oh. F-R-E-E. You know what else is free? Facebook. And your ability to ask us any technology question anytime you'd like, facebook.com slash data doctors. Rich asks, is it okay to put Java back on my computer? 
I would keep coffee away from your keyboard because um, if it spills, it makes a mess. Well, it depends. Is Colombian? Uh, well, Colombian coffee, mm-hmm. very different. But we're talking about Java. Java, the scripting language that is um, probably the most attacked bit string of code on the Internet. Um, so uh, if you've been paying attention to not just us, but all the different uh, warnings out there, including the one from the Department of Homeland Security that basically suggested that you disable Java. Let's kind of roll back on this. Java is a much maligned, much threatened, exploited scripting language that there just seems to be a constant barrage of new things that they're finding that allows a remote attacker to execute code on your computer if they can exploit one of these holes. What that means in English is if your JavaScript gets exploited. So another, Java is a, is a language that when you go to a website, it just automatically tries to translate whatever the code that the website is presenting to you, generally to do good, um, but in some cases to do bad. So your browser automatically runs this script because it's Java, Java code. It's a script, right? Um, and in some cases, it basically says, oh, go ahead and open the back door there and let this guy that's in Bulgaria pop mm-hmm. into your computer. This is why the Department of Homeland Security and a lot of security experts are recommending, you know what, just turn it off. And, so, and Rich is asking, okay, I turned it off. Is it okay to turn it back on? And the question is, Rich, do you really need it? Because if you don't, that's a much safer way to go. This is going to continue to be threatened and exploited. Right. So, Rich, if, if you're asking the question, but you've been using your computer with Java off for, let's say, a month or two months, and everything seems to be working okay, if you're not having issues, well, the answer is you don't need Java then because none of the sites you're visiting require you to have Java enabled. And in some cases... You, it's not required. It's just like something fancy may not work on the website, but the fundamental components of the website work or the information you look for, looking for is, is, is going to work. Now, again, we wrote a column on this, and we'll, we'll link to that, or we have a link to the, the column as well. Here's the deal. If you do find, and some like financial institutions and some others do require that you have Java to be able to run reports and things of that nature. So if you find that you do need Java, I don't, I think the best way to, to, to do this is to only have the Java, 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 Java the pizza, different Java, not Java hut in No, I do a pretty good Java. Not not bad. Thank you. Just don't pull out the Wookie. If you have to use Java, what what we recommend you do is only use it in Google's Chrome, because Google Chrome jumps up and basically asks you every single time. Are you sure? Do you want to run this JavaScript? So it still doesn't run automatically, but allows you to run the JavaScript at a site that you know for sure you need. Where it's dangerous is if you have Java preloaded. It's like a loaded gun in your browser. You're searching around on Google and you find, you know, you're looking up some fast-breaking story, news story, and these bad guys put these pretend news sites up there. You click on it and you're running Java and it just automatically runs in the background, they just got you. That's, that's the problem here, and that's why we, we basically can't recommend to anyone to continue to use Java if you don't need it. And, Rich, you know, these, these fast-breaking news sites that Cam was talking about, the bad guys put these things up very quickly. When a breaking news story occurs, whatever the topic is, wherever in the world it is, they move so fast to get these sites up, and, and within minutes, they've got hundreds and thousands of people clicking on them and all they want to do is slip that bad code into your computer or just no just have your browser run this malicious code right right so anyway check out our uh, our advice on the whole java issue how to disable it if you don't know how to disable it and uh what to do if you want to continue to use it so when you're shopping hang on what let's let's set this up yes s x s w south by southwest so you may or may or may, if you're watching any of the tech news, you'll see SXSW. That is South by Southwest. It's an interactive uh, festival that's been going on for, it's a festival. It's a festival. For, for like 20 years. Yes. Um, biggest claims to fame, Twitter became, it wasn't introduced, but it became alive. It was first really used en masse at South by Southwest. So that was kind of its coming out party. And Foursquare mm-hmm. was also launched. Uh, at South by Southwest. So a lot of interesting technology comes out of South by Southwest. 
which leads us to this discussion now. So the thing about shopping in a store or online is knowing how what you're about to purchase will look when you get it home. That's always a big challenge because you don't know, well, will this little nightstand look good here or will this table look good there? Well, there's a new augmented reality app that can actually change your online shopping experience. And what that is, is imagine taking your iPad and you hold it up over the area where this new piece of furniture is going to go. In your house. In your house. You will see the house as you see it through the camera lens. But what augmented reality does is it will superimpose the image of what you're buying. Like a piece of furniture? Correct. You can zoom in, zoom out, make it larger, make it smaller. And it'll put it in its place in your home, which is... Really, really a slick way to, again, it changes the way you shop because now you don't have to guess, well, am I going to get the right thing or is this going to look okay in my home? Can I say you're overstating that just just a bit? Okay, go ahead. Because most of these augmented reality faux pieces of furniture, they're close, but they're not exactly like the coloration and what have you may not be there. So this is really early stage development of these augmented reality apps they're certainly becoming more um robust there's a, an app called furnish that actually has ikea and by the way our friends from zurich say it's not ikea what is it it's ikea ikea that's how they say it in europe is that how they say meatballs ikea no, they <laughs> say, no, no, they go. <laughs> oh, sorry a horse of course hey remember it's a false uh, Facebook host hoax. If you think you can win a mini iPad, Beats headphones, pay attention and don't don't even bother to fall for those. Coming up, Graph Search is rolling out. So, what can you do to protect your your private posts? We'll separate the fact from the fiction again. Yeah, we'll do it again. Also, if you're a DIYer, we've got some apps you'll want to know about. It's the tech show for non-tech people. This is the Data Doctors Radio Program. Hey, want to see how the rich and famous use Instagram? Ooh, yeah. The Kardashian grams? Of course you do. Check it out at datadoctors.com slash radio. We love to see those celebrity train wrecks. And ludicrous. It's the Data Doctors radio program. Got a tech question? Get an answer in English. Ask us now at, at facebook.com slash Just like Fred did, he wanted to know. You guys talked about service from Cox improving to up to 50 megabytes a second downloaded. How are we able to test and see what level we are getting? Well, Fred, that is a great question. Well, first of all, before we jump into answering the question, I want to kind of talk about the experience we've been having. With, we as in you at a, the in our house. house. Correct. Yes. Um, so a few weeks ago, we got the newer technology modem, a Doxis 3, which, is, um, which really doesn't guarantee you this speed, but makes it more what's the more word? likely more likely thank yes. you so we, when we first started the newer speed service which you do, by the way don't have to pay for it comes automatically to cox customers um we were noticing slightly improved performance and then over the last week and i've been tracking it almost daily to kind of see where it's going we've been consistently getting are you ready for this go ahead 40 megabytes a second on the download 40 that's pretty dang fast. That's on the DL? Yeah, that's on the DL. <laughs> so, now, I know you're saying, wait a second, but it says up to 50 megabytes. Up, down. up to. to. Right. Your speed may vary. Marketing. Time of use They're affects say that. Up to. So. Just like a car can go up to 110 miles an hour. Is that really what you're going to get on a regular basis? I've only taken my Prius up to 90. Yeah. Oh, did I just say that on the air? Downhill with a really solid backwind. But to Fred's question, and a sale. how are we able to test and see what level we're actually getting? So Cox has their own actual test system, and there are a plethora of other third-party websites, basically, that you can use mm-hmm. to, uh, uh, to, to actually test out. Now, here's the key. Internet speed is like water pressure. It's going to change different times of day depending upon what else is going on and the site that you're trying to connect to and what have you. So we actually have a whole host of different speed test sites. I, I like actually, if you're really trying to nail down what's my aggregate average, I suggest that you use three different speed tests at three different times of the day, right? Say so morning, noon, night on three different days. So you get it basically, you get at least nine Right? You get 
nine tests per day mm-hmm. over three days. So then you basically add up all of those, divide by the number, and you'll get your average there. Because there may be certain times of the day that you're going to see, you know what, there's a pattern here. And if you have trouble with the math, Ken can help you. Yes. Secret Asian man. Um, actually, I wrote a column on this quite some time ago uh, with all the details. So we'll, we've got that posted up as well. So is but, it the bottom, but the bottom line, yeah, like speedtest.net, you can go in and do that. You can, you can do a check. Right. I, I'll tell you what you should be more concerned about these days with Facebook and pictures and videos and all this stuff. It's the upload speed, not just the download speed, the upload speed, which is going to determine how quickly you can get that big video up to right. YouTube or the, or the file transferred over to a friend. Or if you're going to use, you know, if you're doing anything with large files and you have to, if you have to upload it, excuse me, also, if you like to remote in, like from your office to your home, the faster the upload speed is, the more you can do, right, in those remote It'll sessions. refresh faster. Well, not just refresh, but if you want to transfer files and what have you. I need this file get in it my point office, a point right? B. So I got to get it to the office. The upload speed of the sending computer determines the overall speed. So if you and I are exchanging a file, I got 50 down, I got 40 down, doesn't mean a thing because your up is limited to the two or three or four or five, right? right? So it doesn't matter how fast my download speed is. The slowest part is going to determine the overall speed, which would be your upload speed. Now, is it true that uh, 5 o'clock at night, 5, 6 o'clock at night, the Internet slows down in on cable modem services? Is that true well, or is that false? Well, you are sharing what's called the head end on cable networks. So it's very much like I talked about with the water pressure. You're all using the same pipe, if you will, for your neighborhood. So if you have a voracious downloader at 5 o'clock or everyone jumps on and starts downloading huge files, yes. In practice, does that happen? Generally not. We come home, we check our emails, we might watch a YouTube video, we, we're watching streaming content. We're do, it's not really going to make a huge difference, um, especially with the speeds that are being achieved these days. So I, I still, I mean, for those people that are always wanting to know, do I go cable, do I go DSL, which, which way do I go? To me, in general, cable, you get more bang for the buck. So I've always looked at that as the first way to go. We've, we've converted our headquarters here to Cox Cable's business services. I'm doing a plug for Cox all the time. I'm apparently. Uh, but, I mean, the reality is that people are asking us all the time, do I go with uh, you know, DSL, do I go with cable? I always look at cable first, generally, because you're going to get more bang for the buck. You'll get more da- faster download speeds. Um, and then if, if cable either is, is not available or it is not functional or it's just kind of really slow in your neighborhood. And, and again, your... Your mileage is going to vary based on where you live. And how, also, how old is the infrastructure and what have you. And, and most cable companies these days have limited the upload cap. That used to be an upload cap. A lot of those have gone away because so many people are uploading files these days. They're, they go, okay, consumers want this, so they've gotten but rid of those caps. But unless you go to a business, service, business class service, you're not going to get the same up, up and down speed as you will like with, a, with a corporate type of connection. So. Right, but very at, different. at home, you really don't need it, so... Hey, if you're, if you're a DIY kind of guy or girl, check out DIY's app guide. You see what you do with some of these apps. Learn how to tie a tie, how to fix things around the house. It's pretty cool. And even if you've got like a, a clog in your drain, some cool ways to... There's an app for that? There's an app for everything. <laughs> pretty slick. Check it out. Coming up, converting files at one time or another. We have to do it. We all have to do it. Well, we'll tell you how to do it for free again. Also, Microsoft is changing the way it handles Flash. Will it impact your web experience? It's finally here. It's time to buy a new PC, but you're stuck. Hey, it's the Data Doctors here to help get you unstuck. When you buy a new PC from Data Doctors, we actually custom configure it right down to your operating system, Windows 7 or the new Windows 8. Now, if you're ready to be a trailblazer with your new Data Doctors PC, we'll configure it with the new Windows 8. But let's say you're not ready to jump feet first into the pool. If you like what you're used to, we can custom configure a Data Doctor system with Windows 7. We even have a third option. We can install Windows 8, but give you the look and feel you're used to, you know, the start button and all, and that way you're ready to go. And with any Data Doctor's PC purchase, we transfer all the important stuff from your old computer for free. Windows 7 or Windows 8, Data Doctor's gives you the freedom to choose. Oh, and if you have a PC and you want us to handle the upgrade, we can do that too. Now, get ready to experience award-winning service from Data Doctors. To find the location nearest you, go to datadoctors.com right now. Data Doctors. Since 1988, we're the tech guys for non-tech people. 
It's the tech show for non-tech people. This is the Data Doctors Radio Program. Have you cut the cord yet? Lots of us have. We did it in our house. So how many do you think have done it, Ken, in the country? A bunch. A lot. Find millions out. and millions. Find out how many and what does it mean and how we're watching content these days. Datadoctors.com slash radio. They're Trekkies and they're techies. We are neither. This is the Data Doctors Radio Program. This is the Data Doctors Radio Program. I have an alert for those of you that continue to look at Twitter as stupid. Useless. I'm going to give you another reason why Twitter might be something you start using today. Why do I need to know my friend was you don't. in the bathroom drinking coffee? You don't. And if that's how you use Twitter, I agree with you. It's stupid. Yeah. But let me... Those of you that still haven't figured out how to use Twitter, or what the heck, who cares, I don't care. Most of you say to me at these workshops that I do, I don't know what to tweet about. <laughs> that's not the point. You don't have to tweet in order to make use of Twitter. Think about that for a second. All right, finished? Did you process that? You don't have to tweet. Correct. In order to use Twitter. Yes. So what do you, you just can, sit on the sidelines? You can be a silent follower. Hmm. Ken, why would we want to follow somebody? I'm not a stalker. How about this? The next time there is something going on, there's a helicopter flying overhead. You're going, what the heck's that for? I can almost assure you that if you're following most of the news stations in your town, they're tweeting about a breaking story. Sure. It's going to be on Twitter before it's anywhere else. You have a power outage in your neighborhood. Your smartphone still works. Your power company is tweeting what is going on. You're, so you're basically getting real-time updates. Correct. No matter what. just about anything. And so you don't even have to be following these folks. Just get set for that next time you want fast-breaking information on something that's happening around you. Okay, so let's, let's paint another scenario. This is pretty visual. Let's say I live in a cave somewhere in, I don't know, Afghanistan. How about Cave Creek? How about I live in a cave in Afghanistan? Okay. And all of a sudden I hear helicopters. Oh, yes. wait, I don't hear them because they're silent helicopters. And then... Someone reports there's helicopters above my cave, and I try to escape but can't. Isn't that how most people found out about Osama bin Laden? Well, it Is wasn't. It, Afga- it was on Twitter. It wasn't Afghanistan. What did I say? Did I have the wrong country? It wasn't a cave. I, uh, other than that, yeah, you were close. <laughs> I'm painting a visual picture. Spanky, you the ignorant fa- slut. The facts don't have to be right. I'm not, uh, I'm not doing the news today. We're doing tech. Why don't we stick closer to home I like here. Ken's story better. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying. Something like that. Okay. Uh, you can absolutely, uh, you, you news junkies, let me give you a little tip here. Mm-hmm. Write All this right. down. Write this down. Here's how you figure out who you want to follow that are uh, of, of the national journalists that are out there, right, with their, with their tweeting. You, you have a particular journalist that you like. You, you like the way they report. Why wait until you can see them on the tube? Go to muckrack, M-U-C-K-R-A-C-K.com, muckrack.com slash newsroom what you'll see there is a consolidation of every major media outlet and the people that tweet underneath each one of those news organizations and then you can go and find these people that you particularly like to watch on tv and follow them and so as they're working on news stories if they're if you know if you like the way that they report you like the way that they present information Connect with them and follow them. You don't have to. You don't ever have to say hello. You don't have to retweet it. You don't have to learn how to use anything. Just start. There's this wealth of information that's sitting out there that you can control based on the people that you follow. It comes right into your Twitter account, and then if you really want to take it to the next level, and you have a tablet like a, like an iPad, go get the free app called Flipboard which will take all of those tweets that you're following and turn it into something that looks like a newspaper based on those people that are tweeting. I think, bada bing, bada boom, I made a case for you to go take a look at Twitter. And I'm not a credible news source because I mix my news stories up, as you've learned. Well, uh, Caves in Afghanistan. Just just (laughs) start there. Start there. You want sports scores? 
but you only want hockey scores, you can find you can isolate it. You can find a Twitter handle for NA, for the NHL, right? I mean, there's there's so many ways that you can totally modify that source of information for the kinds of things that you care about, as opposed to watching news, reading newspapers, reading websites where the ninety percent of the stuff you could you could really care less about. Don't want any Kardashian news? You can make it happen. Everyone wants Kardashian news. I do not. Hey, anytime you have a tech question for us, you can hit us up, facebook.com slash data doctors, like Terry did. Terry wanted to know, uh, what do you think of free programs to convert PDFs to Word docs? Are there any you'd recommend? The pay-for-one offered by Adobe is eighteen ninety nine a year, but it doesn't allow converting multiple documents into a single PDF. Uh, for that task, it jumps to eighty nine ninety nine a year, could use your help. Thank you. Ha! So they want to, you want to take multiple Word docs and turn it into a PDF, Correct. a single PDF. Yep. So here's how Ken would do it without spending any money. Ken would take the multiple documents, create one document, and point my browser to Zamzar, Z-A-M-Z-A-R.com, right? Uh, and use the online conversion tool. Or I would get a PDF utility that basically installs into your computer like it's a printer uh was it bullzip no bullzip bull Bull, no bullzip is different we'll we'll, we'll get it for you but let's talk about zamzar we mentioned it a couple of weeks ago zamzar if you have to convert any file from one type to another now they have to be within the same family Uh, you know if it's a video type file or an audio type file you can convert it to another type of audio file or another type of video file so let's be clear on that but if it's a if it's a document file, a Word document, um, uh, a PDF, a rich text document, you can convert them in and out very, very yeah, easily. So it's a great conversion tool, and I was correct. It's Bullzip's Bullzip. PDF printer. You can install that in your computer, and then anything you'd normally print, you choose Bullzip as your printer, and you got a PDF file. You're listening to The Tech Show for non-tech people, the Data Doctor's radio program. Ask us your questions even when we're not on the air, just like Terry did, Facebook.com. Slash data doctors. Remember, we deal with computers and technology problems for a living. We're experts at this stuff, so we can help you in our stores, in your home, at your business. We can even remote right in over the internet and help you fix all your technology problems. Hey, if you like the program, let your friends around the world know. They too can listen, laugh, and learn. The Data Doctors can be heard worldwide on Stitcher Radio. Hour number two coming up just ahead. Lots more to talk about, including wireless printing. Those copy-paste zombies. Ah. Please help us. Get all your tech answers in English at datadoctors.com slash radio. It's the tech show for non-tech people. This This is the Data Doctors Doctors Radio Radio Program. program. It's the tech show show for non-tech people. This is the Data Doctors Radio Program. It is time once again to listen, laugh, and learn. Welcome back to the Data Doctors Radio Program, the multi-award winning tech show for you non-tech people. Each week during the week, we spend uh, our time helping thousands of people with their broken computers and technology issues in our stores, in their offices, at homes all around the country. And we bring that experience to the radio to help all of you. We are the Data Doctors, Ken to my left, and me, Spanky, here to provide education and entertainment. We call it edutainment. Wireless woes, while some, why sometimes wireless just ain't the answer. Also, are you ready to bing now? And what's slowing your PC down? The stuff you don't know about that you should. Better answers than the guys overseas. overseas. Or Uncle Jim's nerdy son. It's the Data Doctors radio program. It's the tech show. The tech show for non-tech people. Facebook.com slash Data Doctors. You can ask us your question there pretty much around the clock. And then when we wake up in the morning, before I get out of bed and put my feet on the floor, or Ken does, or... Brandon and all of our people here, we check in, try to get those answers to you just as quick as possible. Kathy asks, trying to install a wireless printer. My laptop has Windows 64-bit, Windows 7 64-bit, and I'm getting the error message uh, that the printer driver will not install help. Well, so first and foremost, specific to trying to install a printer driver, you have to make sure you get the proper version of the driver. So if you have the 32-bit Windows 7 driver for your printer and you try to install it on a 64-bit version of Windows, she ain't going to work. And it's 
potentially why you're getting that printer driver not installing issue. Now, the wireless printer thing, it sounds like a really convenient, great way to go when you, when you decide you're going to get a new printer. But let me explain to you that you, by creating a wireless printer, you are adding another point of failure to already a problematic set of points of failure. I mean, right. there's, there's already lots of places where things can go wrong. You just added another one by going wireless. The only reason to absolutely positively go wireless is that there's no way to physically connect the, pr- the printer to either your network or to a computer that's on the network. Right. That is the preferred method. I don't care. Just because you have the wireless capability, it should be your last gasp and not your first. So that you don't have... I mean, everybody knows wireless devices, whether it's a cell phone, uh, wireless networking devices, whatever. At some point, it stops working. Something happens. You got to reset the router. You got to go through all these things. And now you're going to add that to your printing woes. So those are the, the two things that I would suggest, Kathy, is one... Don't make this a wireless printer unless you absolutely have to. And two, make sure that you are getting the 64-bit version. Or, if this is an older printer, it may not have a 64-bit driver, which means it's not compatible with your particular copy of Windows, which means now you either have to wait for the the company that built the printer to come up with a special driver, which they're probably not going to do if it's older, or it's time to buy a new printer. And printers are cheap these days too. I w- well, they are, but if you don't, if you don't understand that when you get something new and just assume that it's going to work with something old, in other words, you get a new computer and you just assume all your well, old software, yeah, it works all with your this printers, one. Uh, that's just a horrible way to go. So the key things that you want to make sure work on a new computer, you should do the homework before you make the purchase. And if you don't understand how to d- uh, to to basically dissect all that stuff. That's where you want to sit down and have somebody that you trust help you. Don't make the mistake of buying it and then try to figure out how to make it work. It's the portion of the show where we bring you a little nibble of the vernacular of the the tech. It is our Geek Speak of the Week. We're going to give you a threefer this week. It's not one, not two, but three. Three Geek Speaks of the Week. We're going to start with cold boots. I hate when I get out of bed. We're not talking to our friends in Minnesota. Yeah, you put your feet in those cold boots. No. Totally different. Cold boot, also known as a hard boot, refers to when you hear a tech person say, have you tried a cold boot or a hard boot? What they mean is, have you started your computer up from dead scratch, not turned on at all? In other words, don't just restart it which right. is known as a warm boot, right? right? So if your computer's running, you say, just restart my computer. No. That's a warm boot. That's not going to necessarily reset the hardware. It's not going to have your computer go through what's called a power-on self-test or post. You want it to completely power off. So you want to do a shutdown to where the computer goes... Yep. Power's gone. And in order to, to cold boot it, you have to physically hit the power button. Okay? Okay, so we got That is boot. the first step in any kind of troubleshooting that you do is touch, shut that machine all the way off, let it wind all the way down. There's like no life in this thing, and you press the button, and you get what's called a cold boot or a hard boot. Okay. Okay. Not the warm boot, which is what we talked about earlier, where you're basically you're running the computer. You want to reset. You just re- tell Windows to restart. That's really good for clearing out RAM and basically replenishing your resources and what have you. It's, it's a good thing to try. But when you're really having a problem, an, a weird problem with your computer, always start with a cold or hard boot. Cold boot, hard boot, warm boot. Cold boot, hard now, boot, warm boot. Now you know. And always pick the boots that fit best. Correct. Hey, so if you have an iPhone 5, there are some features in the iPhone that you may not know about that, that you really should. Like? It, it, well, and it's really the iOS, so the operating system of the phone, uh, that, that I'm a big fan of. So have you been using your passbook, Ken, since it came out? I kind of have. I've played with it. It's, you know, it's kind of irritating, actually, because it keeps popping up and saying, hey, you're here near one of your passbook friends. So you can use your passbook. If you, if you frequent Starbucks, for example, you can use your passbook when you walk into a Starbucks to pay for your coffee. 
Well, why would I use that instead of Starbucks app or my card? Well, because Passbook is a one pl- is the one place that you can store all of those loyalty cards, all of those those ways that you connect with those brands when you walk in. So if you if you if you go to Walgreens, for example. Uh, you can store your Walgreens uh, wellness app or your frequent sh- shopper card in there. If you're a grocery store shopper, you can, instead of having 16 different apps that do the same thing, essentially, Passbook does that for you. The other nice thing is if you travel, Passbook can store all of your boarding passes, all that good stuff. The other one is the MyScript calculator, which my son actually has, which you can, using your finger on your screen, Draw out your your math equation, and it turns it into actual numbers, like you would press the buttons on the calculator. You're talking about on the passbook? No, no, no. I'm, I'm saying another app. Oh. I'm saying another feature. I said another thing that it does. Different. I'm not talking about the app. Different one, Ken. Okay, I'm confused if you're not. <laughs> Still ahead, a new app from Microsoft that can help you get a table on a busy Saturday night. Also, if your PC is running like a snail, what's going on behind the scenes? Business owners, if you're tired of playing whack-a-mole with your business technology, help is just a phone call away. Whether you have three or 300 computers, call us, the Data Doctors, to schedule a free technology assessment and get a prescription to relieve your pain. Imagine putting the days of technology problems behind you. Let the collective intelligence of Data Doctors Business Services allow you to focus on your business, not your technology problems. Call 888-545-1988 and schedule your free technology assessment today. Quit struggling with technology on your own. Get the experience of Data Doctors Business Services team for less than the cost of a single IT person. And we've seen it all. We've been helping businesses with their technology for nearly 25 years, and we can help you too. Get relief today so you can be more productive tomorrow. Call 888-545-1988 to schedule your free business technology assessment today. That's 888-545-1988. It's the tech show for non-tech people. This is the Data Doctors Radio Program. Hey, if you want to hear the Data Doctors Radio Program before anyone else does, you can become a Data Doctors Insider today. Just sign up for our free weekly newsletter at datadoctors.com slash radio. If... You're a newsletter subscriber. You can click on the button at the bottom of the newsletter to get the instant access to the radio show right then and there. Click and listen. Are you confused about something tech? Ha, you didn't hear it from us. It's the tech show for non-tech people. The Data Doctors Radio Program. It's the Data Doctors Radio Program. Facebook.com slash Data Doctors. That's a place you can ask your questions 24-7 like James did. He said, I'm having a hard drive failure warning showing up on my Toshiba Satellite L505. How much is it to have a new hard drive installed on this laptop? Well, James, first of all, good for you. You're paying attention. Second of all, before you worry about anything else, get that thing backed up. Yeah, the worst thing you can do is sit and wait. If you know, if it's giving you that warning, that smart status that says, hey, this drive is going. Even if it's not real. Yeah. Because it, it's possible that it's not real. So that's the first thing. You, you don't want to assume that even though the thing says your hard drive's failing, we've seen many times when the circuitry, the smart circuitry that's supposed to detect that stuff, misfires or is, is giving you a, a false positive. Regardless of that, anytime you, anyone out there sees an indication that their drive is starting to fail, Unless you want to spend a lot of money in our data recovery labs, which we'll be happy. <laughs> I was just going to we'll say. Be, we'll be happy to gladly. take care of you on. We'll gladly do that. But it's so much cheaper to back it up than it is to have it recovered. A lot cheaper. So first things first, make sure anything and everything you care about, James, you have it backed up somehow. Copy to a flash drive, upload it to uh, Carbonite, do, uh, do something so that that critical information is backed up. So let's go under the... Let's go under the premise that that okay i'm good there yeah you've got it all backed up nice and secure if you're going to take the time and effort to replace a hard drive because it's not like you just swap out the drive and you're done there's a whole lot of work to get whatever is on your old hard drive onto your new hard drive or you know reinstalling the operating system and reloading all the drivers and getting all the updates and all the security and all your network settings and i mean there's a lot of work involved in it so if you're going to go through all of that do what we recommend everyone do that comes to our stores. And that's look at the hybrid hard drive alternative. A hybrid hard drive basically combines the really expensive solid state technology with the 
very cost-effective magnetic storage. It actually has a hybrid of both of those technologies on one hard drive. You're going to pay about a 10 to 20% premium um, in general. So for including labor and everything, for a couple hundred bucks generally, you can get um, this faster technology. I mean, I mean, we're not talking about it a little bit faster. No, blazing fast. If you're going to replace a hard drive in anything, even though these are laptop hard drives, we're starting to see the desktop versions. If you're going to replace a hard drive in any computer, let me reemphasize this. Ask whoever you're working with to get you a price, what the price difference is for a hybrid hard drive. It's, it's, the delta is so tiny, and the difference in performance is humongous. And, and James, so you can get a, a kind of a visual sense of what a hybrid hard drive can do for you. And, and for everyone listening, we've got a link for you posted at datadoctors.com slash radio. Check Check out the hybrid hard drive video link that, that we have there. Yeah, and, it'll, and it'll really, it, it won't take long to figure out. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to see how much faster they are. This will wow you. And then based on your device and how big the drive needs to be and what have you, um, we can get you a price if that's something you're interested in as well. So check that out, datadoctors.com slash radio. So Microsoft is checking, uh, checking out a new or testing a new Bing Now app that helps you find local businesses that aren't crowded. That aren't crowded. Aren't crowded. So if you're looking to go out on a Saturday night, you know, the places, places are jamming and hopping and, and you want to go to a place that's not so jamming and hopping because you want to get a seat... That's basically yeah, you're pr- the... you're probably talking more like restauranty. Correct. So yeah. this app is in testing right now, and, and I'm sure at some point in the future, something like this or a version of it will be available for the consumer. And how, are they, how do they know if it's busy or not? That, what, are, what are they doing? That, so right now, it's going to be based on, on check-ins, and when, when you check in at a place or when you go to a place, the microphone will actually sample audio in the place and determine by the loudness level of chatter... Is the place busy, not busy, by the music volume? They can determine all sorts of stuff based on the just noise somebody's level. Checking, somebody's checking in, and they're, they're using, there's just a short clip of that microphone when they're checking in. Yeah, right? it just takes a few seconds of audio, and that's it. The sensors that are out there that allow this type of technology to occur, they're, they're, this is actually the opposite of one that I'm aware of called SceneTap. It's a, it's a new startup. been around for a little while, but it's, it's, uh, what they do is they install cameras mm-hmm. in nightclubs. The cameras look use what's called facial, um, uh, not de- not recognition, right? Facial recognition is where I look at your facial face detection. And I go, yeah, facial recognition is I look at your face and I go, "That's spanky, spanky, spanky Moskowitz." <laughs> facial detection means okay. There's a middle aged male just walked through that um, wears glasses. Okay, middle aged. I, I guess. I guess here. If I if I hit ninety, I'm middle aged. Bada bing. Uh, and so these, this scene tap actually has these cameras set up. Right. So they're just watching the traffic. And so they can tell you with a reasonable degree of, of uh, accuracy the mix of male to female in that nightclub. I wonder how it does with females. Important. Well, obviously, you've got to be <laughs> careful which city you're doing this in. Um, it kind of guesses the general aggregate age, right? It do, and it doesn't do it like person by person. It basically does a, a collection of the last 30 minutes, what's going on. Okay. Uh, but, but the technology for this type of information to be there was an interesting startup. Two guys that were tired of spending all this money in cabs going to <laughs> nightclubs in Chicago. Looking for the place. Yeah, they're like, oh, this place is dead. Let's go somewhere else. So they said they spent more time on cabs than they did on, on booze <laughs> in the nightclubs. So they said, we got to come up with a solution. So it's really, it's a cool story. Um, you know, if you're into clubbing, especially if you're going to a, you know, if you're traveling and you're, you just want to go out on the night or you're, you're in some new city that you're not familiar with, what a great way to know. Yeah, because the scene tap um, actually tells you, based on, on the volume of people in there, whether the place is dead, whether the place is, is hopping. You and know, full that, of women's. That's right, because now if you're, on, if you're on the hunt... It, this is going to give you the information you need before you head out for the night. That's brilliant. Uh, married men not apply. Uh, no, need no, not, apply. not at all. But I want to see how the facial recognition or facial detection works. I got to check that out. That's something like that. Very, very cool. Hey, what's the normal number of processes that should be running on your Windows 7 computer? Uh, Joe wanted to know. He says there's 130 processes running. Is that a problem? <laughs> Ooh, you better stay tuned for that one. We're going to have to fill you in on that. And right after the break, VPN is a term you may have heard, but you should be used... But should you use 
these virtual private networks. And Google Glass has already been banned. We'll tell you where and why. It's the tech show for non-tech people. This is the Data Doctors radio program. It's already happened. The first ban on Google Glass goes into effect. Do they allow Google Plastic? Uh, Paper or plastic. A Seattle dive bar says, no glass for you. Find out why at datadoctors.com slash radio. The first rule of technology, restart it. Rule two, ask us at facebook.com slash datadoctors. We don't read our answers from a script. It's the tech show for non-tech people. It's the tech show for non-tech people. The Data Doctors Radio Program. Help, I need somebody. Help, not just anybody. Help, you know I need someone. Help. And this is the portion of the show that we discuss a topic based on somebody's question that they asked. A cry for help. A pseudo cry for help. Kevin asked us, is a VPN the safest way to use an unsecured public Wi-Fi connection? Are there ways to say? Are are or are there other ways to stay stay stay? Okay, Patty. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> stay safe. And are there any free VPNs out there for personal use? That's an inside joke. I apologize. No, it is. It's all. It's out there now. Um, okay, so first of all, VPN stands for Virtual Public Network. Excuse me, private. private. I'm looking at you like what? I'm, I'm thinking using the public. You just network. pulled a spanky. I did. Virtual private network. So what it does is it uses the public network known as the intranet to create a secured private. connection. <laughs> yeah, private network. So, and, and generally speaking, most people have encountered this whole VPN thing when they work for a company that requires you to use a VPN to connect back to home base. Right? Sure. So you want to connect securely to your corporate network. You typically do that through what's called a VPN, and it tunnels its way through the internet, blocks everyone out, and says nobody can see what's going on here, and it, and it, and it goes back to your corporate servers or what have you. Um, personal VPNs are out there. There's a lot of them out there, depending upon what you want to do. If you actually wanted to try to connect to your home computer in that same way that you would a corporate computer, yes, there are free ones out there. Hamachi from LogMeIn, for you techie people. Again, this is for really nerdy techie people, your average folks that are just running around connecting to the coffee Wi-Fi, coffee shop Wi-Fi or the airport Wi-Fi. Disregard what I'm talking about. This is for you nerds. Check out Hamachi if you want to actually create a secured connection back to a computer in your home or your own office. Now, when it comes to trying to protect yourself on these open public Wi-Fi networks, as I say in the column, if you're just looking at sports scores or watching... YouTube videos, who cares? Doesn't matter. Right. No, it's nothing, irrelevant. Nothing sensitive. But the minute you want to start, um, anything that requires you to put in a username or password or a, a something that's asking you to put a credit card in or anything like that, you want to make sure that you are on a secured connection. Make sure that HTTP changes to HTTPS, which is essentially what the older, the, the personal VPN programs that were out there, they were kind of forcing that automatically all the time now or, or in the past when a lot of sites weren't serving up secured pages because it was too expensive and too much trouble so you could force that by using a personal vpn program uh, hotspot shield for instance is one that's out there that has been around for a while it's free as long as you don't mind an ad banner at the top of all your browser windows so you decide i don't i don't think i don't believe they're necessary for two reasons one you can just make sure you're on a secured paid HTTPS connection. Now, that doesn't mean that somebody can't still collect up your packets. It's just that they're going to have to decrypt them. They're going to have to spend a ton of time figuring out what's, what's actually inside of these little packets, put them all together. It's a, it's a big, big time waste. Um, hackers don't typically do that randomly. They only do that when they know they're going after a specific target. So if you're just a random person out there and you're encrypting your stuff, they're going to just they're gonna look for somebody that's not. The other thing you can do is just avoid doing these things on public Wi-Fi. You're asking about other ways to stay right. safe. Just avoid it altogether and wait till you get home. The best way to do it for you travelers is use your smartphone. Make sure that you turn the Wi-Fi off so you're not accidentally on the public Wi-Fi. 
Use the cellular carrier's data network. That way you're completely out there on your own. There's nobody else on this network. Uh, and then the, combine that with, if you can, like use apps. So you use an email app. You use a, a bank app. You use these apps that are on your phone through your cellular network. That is absolutely the safest way to go when you're on the road. If you have a phone that allows tethering, you can turn your phone into a hotspot and then connect with your iPad or your tablet or your uh, laptop to your smartphone's data connection, not the Wi-Fi. So again, that's that combination is the best way to be safe when you're out and about as opposed to using public Wi-Fi. I, anytime you use public Wi-Fi, you can just assume, just like with Java we talked about earlier, it's going to continue to be the target of these guys. Malicious folks are going to target people on public Wi-Fi forever. And whatever it is that we know will protect you today may not protect you tomorrow. That's the problem with being risky or or doing these sensitive things on public Wi-Fi. So our recommendation is just don't do it. It never ceases to amaze me, Ken, how many people I will see at a Starbucks paying their bills. I'm like, why why wouldn't you do that at home? Well, I mean, you don't even have to be high tech, right? You can just you can just look over look the shoulder over the and like hey, watch. Wait, what's and, that and, credit card number? And there are people that are really good at doing that. So, I mean, not to mention you could high definition video camera. You can just videotape the guy. That's true. Hey, remember, don't spread rumors on the internet. How can you avoid it? Please don't be a copy paste zombie. Yeah, we're asking for your help this week. Okay, we've got a link for you. Datadoctors.com slash radio. The the help is for those people that keep posting this hoax about. The Graph app, which doesn't even exist. Yeah, it's Graph Search, folks. And there's no privacy issues. This whole hoax is out there. Please send this to all these people. Post this on those people's pages for us. When we come back, Beth wants to know about two-step verification. And you should listen to this one, too. And get rid of all those remotes. Your smartphone can replace all of them. It's coming up right here on the Data Doctors radio program. Hey, it's the Data Doctors. Hey, lots of you come to our stores when you have computer problems. Many of you rely on our award-winning Data Doctors in-home service, where our Data Doctor comes to you. Yeah, house calls. Some of you take advantage of Data Doctors remote repair, so we fix your problem right over the Internet. But did you know that we can help your office, too? That's right. Whether your office has two... 20 or 200 computers, Data Doctors Business Services takes the pain of managing your office technology away. Instead of using the Band-Aid approach to your office technology, put the experience of Data Doctors Business Services team to work for you. You'll be amazed at how much more you can get done when you're not trying to run a business and your IT department. Go to datadoctors.com and let us take away the pain. In store. At home. Over the internet. In your office. What are you waiting for? Go to datadoctors.com right now. (laughs) Like he said, go to datadoctors.com and get ready to experience award-winning service data doctors since 1988 we're the tech guys for non-tech people it's the tech show for non-tech people this is the data doctors radio program hey if you're listening to the data doctors radio program right now did you know that you could have listened to it already huh if you become a data doctors insider you'll have instant click and listen access Back in time, back to the future. All you got to do is sign up for our weekly newsletter at datadoctors.com slash radio. All newsletter subscribers can hear the show the minute, the minute you get it in your inbox. That's how quick we are. On air. Online. On demand. Datadoctors.com. Datadoctors.com slash radio. Listen live. Download podcasts. And get helpful links. Datadoctors.com. Datadoctors.com slash radio. Joe asked earlier in in the show, we... Talked about Joe's question on his Windows 7 machine. He wants it's a normal number of processes to be running in Windows 7. Is there a choke limit, say, 130 processes that will dampen performance? Yeah, I'm uh, choking on a- 130 is not bad if you're talking about two machines. <laughs> <laughs> My God. So, um, okay, so Joe. let's back up here for people that haven't heard our discussion. Okay. A simple way to see. Um, that whether you should have your computer looked at by somebody that understands um, how Windows operates is to do a quick check of the number of running processes. And the process goes like this. Restart your computer. So that's one of the things that I think people aren't doing, which will give you the uh, wrong number of processes. Restart your computer so it's just fresh boot. Do a Control-Alt-Delete to be able to get what's called this task manager task t-a-s-k manager up 
When you open up the task manager, bottom left-hand corner, it'll show you the number of running processes. A well-maintained Windows 7 computer is going to be between 45 and maybe 55 processes. Especially if you have a laptop, it's going to be on the higher end. You've got more power circuits and things of that nature. So anything over 55 or 50 on a desktop, I mean, if it's 52, 53, 55, 56, even maybe 60, it's not horrible. But if you've got 70, 80, or 130 in this case, brother, you got trouble. Not trouble, but you you got way too much going on. There's way too many things that have snuck into your computer's startup. And it could be anything from you weren't paying attention when you loaded your new printer driver and you said, next, 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 I agree. And they snuck a couple computer programs in there because you didn't pay attention to the screens. To a piece of malware that has snuck in from a Java exploit that's allowing somebody to monitor what you're doing, the key loggers and those kinds of things. The bottom line is if you have a lot of extra processes running, it doesn't necessarily mean you have bad things happening, but you definitely want to reduce the load. It'll make your computer start faster. It'll run faster. It won't require as much RAM. I mean, it's just all around going to be a better functioning machine. So it's a quick way for you non-technical people to do a quick check and go, you know what, I better have my friend, my, my computer guy, whoever, Look at my computer and figure out what's going on here. And if you forget what Ken just told you, not to worry. We've already got a link up for you with a video on how to check how many background processes are running. We've got that link at datadoctors.com slash radio. Step by step. Exactly. Hey, if you want to get rid of your remote control clutter at home, you know, you have a remote for the TV, a re- remote for the stereo, one for the DVD player. Do you know that there are apps that will actually turn your phone, your smartphone or tablet into a remote? We've got a link to five of them. Check them out, datadoctors.com slash radio. And as we've said on this show many times, your smartphone will be your life's remote control in this coming year. Oh, this is the year. It of- will control everything in your home. Things that connect to your smartphone. Are, that's going to be the big, big explosion in the next uh, 12 months. You know, I, I should have written down the name of this. I was in a, an Apple store the other day, and I saw this really cool thing, Ken. And it's, it's a light bulb. I think it was a GE light bulb that they only sell in the Apple store. That connects through this app where you can control the temperature of the light yeah, yeah. as you well mean, as the brightness. Well, when you say temperature, you're talking about the the color. Yeah, whether not, it's a not, not heat. No, whether it's a warm color, meaning a kind okay. of an orangey, or yeah. a blue color, which is a cool color. Very, very cool technology. So, and definitely, this is the year. Same stuff that we talked about from the Consumer Electronics yep. Show. All yep. those, all those crazy lights. Facebook.com/slash Data Doctors. Remember, that's your place to go whenever you have a question for the show. Beth had one. She wanted to know. I have a question about two-step verification of passwords. How does it work? Well, actually, it's not a two-step verification of password. It's a two-step two-step authentication <laughs> or verification of you are who you say you are. Right. And so generally what that means is you have to have something you know, like a password, along with something you own, like your smartphone. So the way it works is I'm going to log into an account on a machine that is not recognized by, let's say, Google's system. It sees that I'm logging into this device for the first time. When I try to log in, it's saying, it'll flip over to a two-step authentication page saying, we just sent your smartphone a special code. A text message. A text message with a code in it. Put that code in to verify that you are who you say you are. And by doing that, you're basically making it that much more difficult for somebody to take over one of your accounts. Facebook allows you to do the same thing. And the idea is that you you have to somebody would have to get your passwords and get your phone and your unlocked phone, right? Because you all listen to us and you yep. put your little code on there so that people can't just pick your your phone up and start using it. Um, so it, it's really less likely that those things are going to occur. Here's the other reason why this is really cool: you suddenly get a text message on your phone saying, "Here's your authentication code." What does that tell you? Someone's trying to break into your Google account or your Facebook. Someone other than you. It's, it's, a, it's an alert that somebody's trying to log into one of your accounts. Now, I'm going to give you guys a... This is a bonus round here. We like to do these every once in a while, and I, Ken doesn't know what I'm about to say, but I'm going to say it. When you are at a friend's house, and I've seen this happen many times, and you decide that you want to check your Facebook status, and you jump on their computer, their laptop, whatever. When you log into Facebook or when you log into your Google account... There's a little button, a little option that you can check that says, stay logged in on this computer. Make sure, just take a second and look right underneath where you log in and make sure that that is unchecked. 
You do not, even at your best friend's house, want to leave your personal stuff accessible. And log out of that right, when manually you, when you're done. You know, you know, one other link that you need to post up. Go ahead and post that up now. Okay. That is how to disconnect those sessions. Oh, my goodness. I forgot and left my Facebook account open up at my friend's house. Yep. We'll give you that. We have a video that shows you step-by-step how to disconnect that remotely. So check that out as well. You're listening to the Data Doctors radio program, the tech show for non-tech people. Remember, ask us your questions like they did. Facebook.com slash Data Doctors. Remember, for 25 years, we've been helping people with their computers and technology problems. That's what we do for a living. We're experts at this stuff. So we can help you in our stores, in your home, at your business, or even over the internet. Fix your ride up. You like the program, yes? Yes. Yes. Let your friends around the world know they too can listen, laugh, and learn. The Data Doctors can be heard worldwide on Stitcher Radio. What did we say? Yavul. Yavul. It's the Data Doctors, Ken and Spanky. Catch us on TV, on the radio, online. We're everywhere. Facebook.com slash Data Doctors as well. Get all your tech answers in English at datadoctors.com slash radio. It's the tech show for non-tech people. This This is the Data Data Doctors 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 Radio Radio Program. Program.